Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Mat podcast, hosted by Emmanuel Clauser and Jared Rowan. A space for you to transcend your yoga beyond your mat and into your life. Hey guys, it's Emmanuel and Jared. What's up, guys? We are so excited this week to bring you our second guest on our podcast. I know. Um, so, so, so excited. Um, so we are getting ready to chat with Felipe Gonzalez, uh, who is a yoga teacher in LA, actually. Yeah. Um, and he'll give a longer intro of who he is, but we first wanted to just say how we both know Felipe. Yeah. Um, so I met Felipe in 2017 when I was studying at Laughing Lotus um, Yoga Center in Manhattan, New York, which is where I got my advanced training. And Felipe was one of the very first people that I took class with there. So it was my very first Lotus class. Nice. And it was funny. He played the harmonium. He story told... It was just, it was the most fun I ever had in a yoga class, but then like the biggest spiritual moment as well. So he developed into one of my mentors and friends. I would say friend and then mentor. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) You know, they're interchangeable. Um, And over time, he has been someone that I have kind of mentored with and trained with. He's really skilled at storytelling, bhakti yoga, the, the, you know, the devotional side of yoga, some of the myths um, and then he is a Katona yoga instructor, so I'm training with him as well right now on learning some of those concepts. So, um, yeah, I've known him now for about five years. That's so. crazy how fast time goes, yeah. don't you think? Oh, yeah, big time. So I was just thinking about the cute little picture of the two of us in New York in front of, like, the graffiti wall oh, no. when we went to Lotus, and I was trying to remember what year it was oh my god that probably was 20 or 19 19 19. it It might have been 19 because because before covid yeah (laughs) we're talking like bc now it's like pre-covid and post-covid but we're still in covid um yeah we were there Together together in the fall of 2019 and I decided to go take a weekend module with Jared. And actually, Kate from Edgewater came with mm-hmm. us, too. So that was really fun. And Dawn was with us in the city beforehand. We had, like, a, a Yoga Vibes field trip. <laughs> and then Kate, Jared, and I stayed for the Myth and Asana training. It was with Felipe and Sherry, right? Sherry, yes. Salentino, yeah. Which was so great. And Felipe is just such a like multi-talented person when you meet him the first time my thought was like oh my gosh I want to be his friend yeah like I just want to be around his energy he's got Mm. so much to offer and so much to share so we're really lucky to have him on the pod um when we went for the myth and asana training he did the ramayana yeah the ramayana oh yeah Yeah. see we never say it right we We can't say it we couldn't get epic love story listen look it up in the show notes yeah (laughs) We could never. We were no. in New York looking up like the pronunciation of it. Yeah. But anyway, Jared and I were just completely blown away by the story and the chanting and like the deep, deep effect of the storytelling on the spiritual level and what it does to you and how it's always relevant, even if it's an old story, how you can relate it to your life and it can touch oh. you so deeply. Um, it was very transformative and sp- 
experience for me totally oh my i'm getting chills yeah and and we bawled our eyes out right at the end of it oh we were story, crying like, so it was a 45 minute dialogue that he told mm-hmm. i mean it was about 45 minutes of a story and it was beautiful and he had good cadence and like it just oh it just worked yeah it, it was, was so really refined it was a beautiful experience that we had there and just as a side note some of you may have had the the pleasure of experiencing felipe because he did come to your lives with uh, mary dana yes to do a katona weekend i believe so he did i think myth he did and he's taught taught the myth of and many of my students know this myth because i teach it once a year is ariadne's thread yes so he took i think he taught that myth okay so um if you want to look that up it's a pretty cool myth kind of hunger games ish but maybe if you're in teacher training don't don't (laughs) right right because we may hear about ariadne's yeah but resist yeah um but yeah he came here and he taught for a weekend and they loved people loved his class i'm not sure if he took him i was i had to go i forget where i had to go on the sunday i took he they did a master class together friday Mm -hmm. and i took the saturday all day but I couldn't be there for... The, I, like, checked people in on Sunday morning. Then I had to leave to go I f- do something. Yeah. But... um The sequence was... And I think you can speak to this, too. The New York sequence, even, we were like... <gasps> like, yeah. he did a lot of good transitions that were twisty, turny. Like, wow, how did we get here? Like, it was yeah. an impressive sequence that probably took a lot of practice and skill and effort, I would mm-hmm. say. So... Um, not only can he like do all the myth and all that, but he can sequence really well. Very well. Yeah. And when we get into the conversation with him, he will tell you where you can find him because he does teach online. So if you're ever yes. interested to take a class with him or maybe reach out to him, you'll be able to do all of those fun things. Is there anything else you want to say before we get going with our cute little interview? No, I think just like buckle in and, you know, have fun. Yeah, have fun with it. Yeah. Felipe, why don't you tell us who you are and what you do? My name is Felipe Gonzalez, and I identify as a gay cisgendered man. Um, I am half Latino and half uh, white American. My father is Colombian. I was actually born in Bogota, Colombia, and my mom is as Midwest as they come. <laughs> um, uh, I grew up in uh, Akron, Ohio, in the Midwest, um, and then moved to New York uh, right after college because I was pursuing a musical theater career. Um, I really wanted to be on Broadway, and I was a professional actor for the legitimate stage for about eight years, and then I turned 30, and you know, in, in astrology terms, I had my Saturn return. And I had this moment where I was like, this isn't it. I don't want to do this anymore. And kind of a quarter life crisis of like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, this was always my trajectory. I was so sure about this. And now I felt a little lost. And when I moved to New York, I started a yoga practice because I joined New York Sports Club. And I saw these people doing, you know, these poses (laughs) and stuff in the gym. And I was like, oh, what's that? And I found it to be a really great cross training for all the dancing I was doing. 
Um, and it really became the practice and the activity that I needed to do before and sometimes after auditions because it really helped center myself. Um, it just brought on a level of clarity and presence that I'd never really accessed before in my life other than performing. Um, and so when I decided I didn't want to be a professional actor anymore, I was like, what do I want to do? And I thought, you know, I, I really like yoga. I do it a lot. I bet you I could be a good yoga teacher. And if I became a yoga teacher, then I wouldn't be bound to New York. I could do that anywhere in the world. Um, mm. And I had, I had taken classes and had been practicing at Laughing Lotus for a couple of years. Um, and I remember my very first yoga teacher, her name was Francesca Bove. Um, after I took her class the first time, she was like, are you a dancer? And I said, yeah, I'm a dancer. And she was like, well, if you ever decide to do your yoga teacher training, you should do it here because dancers really love our sequencing. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time I was like, how dare she? I am an actor. <laughs> like I, like I'm actor. not a teacher. Like, <laughs> like, uh, like pish posh. <laughs> but that planted a seed in my mind. And so when I, you know, like, a couple of years later when I was like, oh, maybe I want to be a yoga teacher. I was like, I should do it at Laughing Lotus. So I started going back frequently and did their summer intensive, which was 200 hours in four weeks, which was wow, yeah. one of the like, like invigorating and most challenging experiences I've ever had in my entire life. But in the middle of that training, I had this clear download that this was my next trajectory. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was like, you know, when alignment is just there, it's this knowing that is beyond something that's intellectual, but it's like in your gut. Yeah. And the moment I decided to change courses and, and pursue a, a career in yoga life unfolded in front of me. And for the last nine years, I've been teaching as a full-time yoga teacher. Um, I started off with my 200 hour at Laughing Lotus. Um, I did my 300 hour with Laughing Lotus as mm -hmm. well. Um, but right after my 200 hour is when I found Katona Yoga. And I started practicing at the time, Katona Yoga had a studio in Chelsea um, on 8th Avenue and 17th Street. And so I started practicing there and that's where I first met Abby Galvin and Naveen Mishan. And then when I was pretty certain that I wanted to be a Katona yoga teacher, um, at that time, the Katona yoga studio in New York closed and the studio opened yes. in the Bowery, which was Abby Galvin's venture. Um, and so I started doing trainings and practicing there and, um, within, four years of lots of self-study, lots of practicing, lots of training, I became a certified Katona yoga teacher, which is now the foundation of all of my teaching. Mm -hmm. um, and really the foundation of a lot of how I show up to life. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think that, you know, you are both yoga teachers and you know that like, 
our way in oftentimes is the physical practice is the modern postural aspect, but the real practice is how you embody the philosophy, the teachings and the theory off of the mat. And it just has become a technique and a tool that I use that helps me stay organized and that helps me um, really take the information that I'm receiving from the world, the information I'm receiving from myself and organizing it in a way so that I can respond to life as opposed to react. Um, And, 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 you know, like Naveen often talks about this, how your strengths eventually, if not kept in check will become your weaknesses. And, my personality is very outgoing. It's very bubbly. It's very fiery. It's very passionate. Um, but the counter, you know, the, the negative of that is, is that like, you know, I had a chip on my shoulder right. and <laughs> felt things in a very deep visceral way and found myself, you know, before yoga reacting all the time, reacting and, you know, like my family, <laughs> They're like, wow, ever since you started practicing yoga, you calmed down. (laughs) Well, you know. And you know what I I love? One thing I will say, Felipe, two things. I will. And so your story that you told about like being on the stage and realizing it wasn't for you Uh um, is something that I carry with me and tell so many students, by the way. So that's just like something that resonated that I was like, oh, my God, he was on Broadway and Aaron, like on the stage. And he was like you know, felt this pull to do yoga. And I think that's so beautiful. So it's something that I carry with me. Um, and then I love kind of what you were saying about the Katona yoga practice, because a lot of our listeners know me as a therapist too. And mm-hmm. it's so funny, like, as I've been studying the Katona material, it's like bleeding into my like <laughs> psychoanalysis of like, I'm having all these discussions about emotion and circumstance now. And it's really like I was saying it in different words before, but it's pretty cool that you can actually apply even the Katona practice to like, it's so therapy related, right? Like it feels very like, do you agree? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a technology and it is a theory that helps one develop skills that foster personal well-being mm-hmm. right and so so much of that is is it is about how how do you self-regulate how do you how do you self-soothe how do you how do you you know map things out in a way that is organizing your time your body and your thoughts in a way that's moving you towards mm-hmm. ultimately what brings you a sense of joy and a sense of purpose. And a lot of times, you know, people are suffering because they're disorganized, you know, either in the body, in their Mm -hmm. life or in the mind. Um, And the practice and the theory allows you to really step back to see a bigger paradigm and allows you to ask these questions that move beyond a real binary way of thinking of good or bad or right or wrong. But it's like, what is the function of what I'm doing? 
And is it actually getting me or moving me in the direction of where I want to go? And you know what, that was, that was, that's such a good point that I remember. So I don't know if I told you this, this, Emmanuel, but you know, I left the studio I was teaching at for like nine years and I actually called Mary Dana and said, I needed advice. And, And what you said, it kind of informed the decision. Like I was having this vision of where I needed to go. And I don't know if I, she said it this bluntly, but what I heard was like, you know, why are you feeding a dead baby? Like, why are you trying to birth? If you're ready to birth something else, why are you like, it sounds like, you know, the decision you need to, like, it was a really, like, it kind of prompted me to be like, yeah, like I'm, I'm not here anymore. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's not where I want to be. I, you know, the vision is out there in front of me. So what you said about, like, it gives us the ability to navigate even our goals, right? Like the direction we need to be going in and the, the risks we might need to take and, cost and and benefits and all that type of stuff. And it also helps put things into perspective because, you know, a lot of times like we don't want to change things or disrupt other people's lives, other people's experiences. But if it's to our own detriment, then it's going to play out in time. And if you have the insight and you know, this is what you want to do, then you're only delaying the inevitable. And in a lot of ways, that's what like creates resentment and bitterness. You know, it's when you're like, you feel like you're doing something for somebody else and not yourself. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think one, so now you're in this phase of not phase, you are practicing and teaching Katona in L- mm-hmm. LA. Correct? Yeah. So I, I moved to Los Angeles a year ago. Um, and you know, I, in a lot of ways, like I love New York and mm-hmm. it will always be my home and my favorite city in the world. But there were all of these chapters that were ending for me in New York. You know, and, you know, there was an opportunity to move out West to create a new life and establish a new (laughs) way of being Mm -hmm. that was really terrifying because I had, I mean, up until the end of 2020, I said I would never move to Los Angeles. I was like, <laughs> like, no, like if I leave New York, it's either going to be for like Europe or India, you know, right. I'm not moving to the West coast. Um, but it was a real moment of right place, right time, right circumstances. And there have been enough experiences in my life where I had this intuition telling me like, this is the moment that you need to take this. And even though it's scary and terrifying, like this is your next step. And so I said, yes. And I moved to Los Angeles and, you know, like um, I might get in trouble for saying this, but you know, the, <laughs> the yoga industry and the yoga scene in Los Angeles was really disappointing And I saw a real need to create a space that will foster learning and functionality in what people are doing. Like, I cannot tell you the number of classes I went to here in Los Angeles where the teacher would be like, all right, five rounds of Surya, I meet you in Tadasana at the top of your mat. 
hate that. that. I hate, literally, <laughs> I like, I literally oh, okay. hate that. I was like, okay, we're we're just not going to teach. <laughs> you know what? I always say, Felipe. I don't know if we both say this. Like, people pay, are paying you to tell them what to do. Kind tell of tell them what to do. <laughs> Please, <laughs> so, yeah. So we train like the YTTs. Like, you need to be talking like the whole time. Like, you know, and guiding. I mean, oh, I hate like that on your own stuff. Maybe that's my aversion, but. Well, I mean, you know, like they're like. There are pros and cons to both. But mm-hmm. again, a lot of times like people are coming to yoga because they're disorganized. Right. And, you know, yeah. they're there for your guidance. If you're not going to guide them, then like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know? That's a great point. Um, so I, I, I'm opening a studio here in Venice, um, where, where are, it's, um, projected opening of end of March, 2022. Um, we've run into some like permit issues with the city of Los Angeles, which was actually a blessing in disguise. Initially we were supposed to open in October. Um, but the landlord, constructed some things that he didn't have the right permits for and then omicron hit which Yay. i think if we had opened when we did it would have been yeah a, a killer for our business mm. so um so it's opening at the end of march which i'm super excited about What's um, the name of it? but it's called empowered yoga studio nice um because the idea and the philosophy and the ethos of the whole studio is is that it's not branded around a certain sequence or certain style or certain image. It's really a platform to help elevate teachers and teachers of substance and teachers with experience to empower students with techniques and skills that help them make the most out of the moment as opposed to the circumstances getting the best of them. Wow. Yeah. So giving them the tools kind of. And the technique. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because like a lot of the teachers we have come from different backgrounds and different lineages. And I actually think that's a, a really great asset to have because, you know, there isn't a right way or a wrong way. There are just different ways. And something that I do love about the Katona yoga practice and the theory is that, you know, it is very much encouraged that you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but that you actually take the theory and implement it into things and techniques that you already know, because it's just going to give you that level of refinement. And Mm. at least as I'm teaching out here in Los Angeles, it's been a great way for me to take things that are familiar to people like sun salutations (laughs) and teach them with the theory and the methodology of Katona so that it's still something that they are familiar with, but it's Mm -hmm. presenting it in a way that is different from what they know. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of ways, it's meeting your students where they are and then potentiating them. Um, And I think that's been like my biggest learning lesson moving out here is, is how my teaching and even my practice has changed because of the circumstances of the culture of Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. you know, the way I practiced and taught in New York is very different than the way that I practice and teach out here because there are different needs, but yet you can take the same material 
and take the same information and apply it in both ways to give people routes to the same destination. I hope you still get, have a little flair though. Oh, honey, you can take the girl out of the show, but you can't take the show out of the girl. (laughs) We love that about you. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and part of the reason we had you on was we wanted to talk about metaphor or, you you know, you and I had discussed in our email dialogue, like metaphor and maybe giving the listeners the idea of how to apply that to themselves, maybe. And there, how about yoga in general and then to themselves? Can you speak a little bit on metaphor? Yeah. So, you know, I, what I love about metaphor is that it, in many ways, personifies outside circumstances, experiences, and situations, and humanizes them, Mm. and makes them relatable to your own experience. And, you know, I think why the transition from performing into yoga was so seamless to me is because really at the, at the heart of it, it's storytelling Mm -hmm. and storytelling is really the art of taking something and using different contexts, different descriptions, different ideas that teach a universal lesson. I love it. It's like the sneaky way in, right? Like I feel like like to get to people, like when, when I always say it's like the impersonal way to get personal, which is why I love it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if we think about how we learn, how we keep memories, how our brains cognitively cultivate information, skills, and techniques, it's, it's in an episodic form. Mm -hmm. It starts with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And metaphor allows people to follow that trajectory in a variety of different ways, but it's the same trajectory. And the repetition of that trajectory uh, and the subtle nuances of how that trajectory can then change I think gives people a lot of insight and helps people recognize their condition in others and outside circumstances. So it doesn't feel so isolating Mm -hmm. because a lot of times, you know, you know, you think like the heartbreak that you're feeling is the only heartbreak that's ever existed, you know, or, or the joy that you're feeling is the only joy you've ever experienced or the loss that you're experiencing is the first loss ever. Right. And these metaphors really help create these thresholds that are indicative to the human experience that become really roadmaps and, and guideposts to help us, pass through those different stages that allow us to not be so afraid of the journey that is life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think they can also help us navigate life a little bit too, sometimes like those stories, like the hero's journey is such a, a, a good, I think like, I don't know, I'm lost for the word, but kind of just a good story of like, challenging through stuff, right? Like going, yeah. through, sometimes you have to go to the dark 
to come back to, to really gather insight and to get why, or to, to get the treasure, I think. Exactly. Um, and, and, and it's this pattern that is cyclical that plays out in almost every facet of the universe. You know, it's a going and a return. It's, it's an orbit. It's, 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 it's a, this, this round and round Mm -hmm. loop that we go through, but the X factor in all of this is time. Mm -hmm. So the loop is happening, but time is moving. So then the pattern repeats, but then it's also changing. Mm -hmm. Right. And why metaphor is so important is because as a society changes, as culture changes, the metaphors have to change to match the culture, the life experiences of those having those participating with it, which is why a lot of times you'll start to run into these issues where like antiquated traditions or, um, you know, uh, institutions that have been sort of the bedrock for society for the last century, Mm -hmm. as we are moving into this modern age are like no longer serving us. And a lot of us are finding that we're now having to rewrite those stories, rewrite those metaphors so that it resonates with our life experience. Um, And, uh, you know, a great way that I'm experiencing this personally in my own life is, is, is within the whole idea of relationships and what love is and, and, and how love Mm. doesn't have to be described or confined to the institution of monogamy, but about how really love is exponential. And that if it were, you know, sort of like a, scarcity economy, we would see that play out in parent child, you know, like a mother with five kids would be like, okay, this child only gets 20% of my love. This child only gets 20% (laughs) of my love, but that mother will love the children all the same. Right. Right. And so for me, it's like, how can every relationship I enter into be the act of falling in love, Mm. be the act of of really putting this attention and focus on the other person in a way that is so loving and so gives permission to people for people to be them, their authentic self, Yeah, yeah. you know, that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole, this whole month's about, you know, little cliche, but about love. So you're, <laughs> you're, you're hitting it right on the, um, and, and, and so many layers of love and there's so many great, I think, stories that depict that, um, that you've shared. I've been reading a lot on, I think it's Euripides, like the mm-hmm. Greek, um, yeah. you know, the writer. And I actually got inspired through the silent patient, which is like a fiction book, but yeah. they tell this story about, I think it's Alcestis, the, the woman who basically goes to the underworld for her husband. Mm-hmm. And I modernized it a little bit because, if you really the Greeks back then, it was because women were subservient to men, but I kind of took a twist on it and said, it. you know, it was about switching up fate and being like, I'm going to take power into my own hands. Do you think we have uh, some freedom with myth? Like if we are bringing metaphor and myth into 
our lives, like our interpretation is very unique to us or is it more, do you get what I'm getting at? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think in, in the context of metaphor, we have a lot of freedom, right? Because, um, and this is something I'm trying to really embody in my own life experience is that like your life experience gives you authority on what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. right? Because you can learn and study something till you're, you know, like blue in the face, but until you actually live it and experience it, it's, 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 it's pragmatic. It is heady and it's not lived in the body. And, you know, when we are having these life experiences, our perspective and our frame of reference is unique because it's individual and nobody else is having that. And so sharing that insight and sharing your description of a metaphor might actually help somebody resonate or, or be like, Oh, I'm going through something that's similar like that. And if we don't give ourselves the permission to play with metaphor and have the freedom to let it evolve and change, then it doesn't become authentic, right? Uh, right. The opposite swing of the pendulum is, is that if we don't really understand what the metaphor or the original myth or metaphor is teaching, and then we just start trying to change it, then we're kind of like changing the rules without really understanding the game. Right. right. You know? So there's, it's, you know, just like in yoga, it's, it's a mm-hmm. game of mediation. It's like learning enough about it and then using it to, get what you want out of it. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and then do you find that that you can use metaphor pretty readily in a yoga as a yoga teacher in a class? Like people they're like, how do you use that, Felipe? Like so I'll give I'll give an example of of what I'm teaching right now mm-hmm. in this in this moment. So um you know again when we talk about pattern and repeating pattern, it's, it's cyclical, right? And this idea that like that cyclical pattern is always going to change, right? And that's guaranteed. And there are two ways that you can ride that pattern. You can either ride that pattern on the periphery where it's kind of like a hamster wheel where you're just going around and around and around, (laughs) or as that pattern repeats and you really get the insight and understand the functionality of the pattern that gives you the ability to position yourself in the center of that pattern, which is what growth is mm-hmm. because growth is allows you to repeat patterns, but repeat them differently consciously in a way that responds to the cycles of the pattern so that you can then have a different outcome than previously. And so with this idea that information is linear, but the embodied experience is three-dimensional. So explaining this concept and then teaching a practice where Mm -hmm. the whole sequence is a mandala and it repeats three separate times. And each time the pattern stays the same but there's a slight variation to it. 
which then is also tied to this metaphor of like how a pattern repeats, but because of the nature of time, that pattern can change the nature of the space around it. And, and that way it ties the, the theoretical to the actu- actual application of the practice. It ties the pragmatic with the esoteric. And it really serves a function for why we're doing the physical movement and the and, and the choice of the physical movement that we're doing, as opposed to, you know, sometimes like somebody just walking in, giving a Dharma talk, and then teaching a practice that has nothing tied right. to that philosophy yeah. or right. teaching whatsoever. You know. Now, what would you say in in the class, like the the mandala, which for listeners that don't know, maybe front to back and then all the way around, right? It creates a yeah, circle. Yeah, so it, it's it's where you you where the sequence takes a full revolution Vision. around the mat. So that you start facing the front of the mat with one leg forward Mm -hmm. and go to the back of the mat, continue to switch legs so that when you come around, you're on the opposite leg and then repeat the pattern going in the opposite direction so that then the left becomes the front and you go around and then you're ending on the right leg. Yeah. Um, But again, this idea of, that information while linear Mm -hmm. is used to reference, but the experience is three-dimensional. Right. And how would you say, how would you say Yogi would take that since the pod is beyond the mat? How would they take that beyond the mat? Beyond the mat is, is the recognition of patterns, right? Like Mm -hmm. patterns in relationships, patterns in your thought process, right? Like a lot of times, like something will happen and it's the recognition of my reaction. That's like, this is a pattern. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see the pattern. Yes. And it's the pause that's like, okay, am I going to follow this pattern? Am I going to let this trajectory play out the way that it always Mm -hmm. does? Because sometimes if the, if the pattern is serving you, absolutely let it play out. But if, again, if it's not getting you to where you want to go, that pause is the opportunity to rewrite the pattern. And I love that. And a that, lot of- that, that kind of speaks to like in my therapy practice, that's a common issue that people have, like helping people to gain first introspection. And a lot of them though, Felipe gets stuck on the, I know what my pattern is. I see it, but then application mm-hmm. they're like, but changing it. And I think, that is the hard part, right? The changing of the pattern a lot of the time is it, and, and I think it's fear, it's unfamiliarity, it's lots of things, it's personal. Well, and it's also like, you know, again, for us, you know, it's it, it's important to remember, like, you know, I, I love uh, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson wrote this book called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. And That's in so the forward, you know that right? yeah. such a good book. I have that and book. I you can borrow it. Okay. And I love at the end of the forward, he said, remember, the universe is in no obligation to make sense to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. So pattern repeats. Whether it's good or bad, right or wrong, that's our experience. That's our judgment, right? Mm. But repeating pattern, if it works, it's going to get the same result, Right. And so again, it's like, okay, 
sometimes it takes a lot of repeating old patterns and being like, fuck, I fucked up. Fuck, mm-hmm. I fucked up. Fuck, yeah. I fucked up. <laughs> to the point where it's like, people are like, I'm tired of fucking up, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? And that's actually the initiative that gets them to change. Right? right. So sometimes it's like pattern has to play out in a certain way for people to get fed up with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you can replace pattern for narrative. Right. What's, what's the story that is playing out right now? What is the story I'm telling myself? Mm-hmm. What is the story that I think this person is having? And a lot of times it's like, if we can then rewrite that narrative, specifically starting with us, I'm like, okay, how can I change this story? And, you know, when we think of it in story form, that's when we can reference myth and fairy mm-hmm. tales and legends and things that are like, oh, this is like Neo in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is like Gilgamesh. Or, oh, mm-hmm. this is like uh, the descent of Persephone, right? Like we, we, mm-hmm. we start to be like, oh, these characters are really indicative of different human experiences. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, I can change this narrative. I can rewrite this narrative in a way that makes me feel complete, you know? Yeah. And again, like nothing changes overnight. Right. <laughs> and like, and that's why like as, as yogis, like we repeat patterns of movement oh, in the yeah. body over and over and over again, because that repetition of that pattern allows us to then refine it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like, Yoga doesn't make your life better. Yoga makes you better at handling your life. Which I love mm-hmm. that. Right? So yoga doesn't fix you, right? Yeah. I think it's like you fix you. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you learn how to mm-hmm. organize. You learn how to continue to figure out, all right, where am I going? Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and, I'm, and, and the direction I'm going, where I want to go. Is it, is it, is it making me feel happy? Is it bringing me joy? Is it making me feel connected? And if it's not, what do I need to do to, to reorient? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And, yeah, I, and I think that speaks what you said made me think of, I was listening to a podcast. I can't remember what it was, but it spoke to like when students are kind of leave, leave a teacher. It sometimes they go, it's because they got the tools they may have needed from you that they no longer need. So they go on to another teacher maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, so it's like taking these very explicit things maybe and applying them more, internally right like how can I does that make sense yeah absolutely and I think you know as I've continued to teach you know like going back to this idea of dharma talks like Mm -hmm. a lot of times like we're taught like make something really personal you know so that you have this like actually actually, I'm like no please (laughs) but I have really discovered in my own experience Mm -hmm. that if you speak to the universal if you speak to the explicit, people are going to have their own implicit Correct. reaction to what you're talking about, which then doesn't become this like manipulation game or this like, oh, I'm forcing this reaction. It's like, it really then does become curious inquisition. 
I love and that. an invitation yeah. to to explore that idea and that concept, yeah. as opposed to being like, I have this trauma and I'm going to yeah. dump it on you. Listen, believe me, and this is like not hitting on any specific teacher, but sometimes I and this is my problem. But I'm taking a class, and when the teacher starts with a diatribe about their three children, I'm literally like, no, like I'm holding plank pose, and she's talking about how the one kid I'm like what are we doing but right because like not everyone has kids yes I don't have a child can relate to that (laughs) you know so we actually teach we actually teach the YTTs like please make like universal dharmas like it can have a very personal feel like you've created it from a personal experience but kind of loop everybody into the experience yeah how does it tie back to the collective so that it doesn't become so individual right it feels exclusive right it feels it feels like- exclusive and it also it, it 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 feels like in a lot of ways like this sort of like self-centering and it's like the, the t- it's you're not here for me you're here for the practice right. i'm here to guide you through something i'm not here to like have you fall in love with me and i think you know that that idea of like moving beyond a teacher you know like i think a really good teacher like eventually wants their students to be able to do things on their own Mm -hmm. which goes against our like capitalistic society because it's like it's not really a great business model because it's it's like (laughs) i'm going to teach you how to do this on your own but like the 200 i'm like i hope that you guys all like go on your own and become like better than me you know what i mean and exactly thrive yeah. It's kind of like, um, and I think Katona teaches more from a matriarch style than a patriarch. Mm-hmm. So yes. it's, it's like, we've done a disservice in the West of like being the yoga celebrity. And I think that's very like patriarchal, right? Like matriarchs kind of practice with their students. They're they're Like, I feel like that dialogues came up and you kind of just spoke to it. Like you're not mm-hmm. there to shine, to be yeah. a star. You're there to share. You're there to share. For sure. So, you know, I, I, I think it's important to remember that, you know, like the practice of yoga came from the Indian subcontinent, which is a very patriarchal society. And when the British colonized India, which was also a patriarchal society, these two schools of thought kind of merged together to create what I call the modern yoga liberty or the like toxic guru culture Mm -hmm. where it then positions this spiritual teacher or the spiritual master in a a, a position that puts them as the absolute authority on the subject matter that they're teaching and that they can't be questioned. And then it becomes very dogmatic and it's like, it's my way or the highway. And it, in a lot of ways, like robs people, the exploration and the like self-expression of the practice. Mm -hmm. It also keeps people from moving beyond the teacher. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, a guru in India, you know, was, was somebody that, you know, he, he chose the students, not the other way around. Right. Mm. And it was a submission of free will to the guru. 
You did not eat, you did not sleep, you did not do anything unless the guru told you to. And the guru could give love and take love away. And then with this introduction and creation of modern postural yoga, that same guru concept was then positioned with people who Mm -hmm. aren't spiritual masters, who you shouldn't be giving your free will to. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so. Unless they're really hot. No, I'm kidding. Unless they're really, really hot. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But it then creates like this, this, this formation of the yoga liberty where they put themselves on a pedestal. They're really spiritual narcissists. And, and in a lot of ways, then leverage their positionality and power to do harm and abuse as opposed to actually helping people. It actually becomes about a power dynamic as opposed Mm -hmm. to a real shared teaching and experience. Um, And I, and, and, you know, that's why I love Naveen because, you know, Naveen is very much someone who recognizes the patriarchal game that's at play and is really trying to rewrite the script. Which I love. I I love that. Right. And, and I think that it's, it's a lot of, in a lot of ways, it just helps people start to question like what is absolute and what is objective. And in my own experience, because that's all I can speak from, I'm starting to really come to the realization that most of what we believe and think is true is actually um, subjective, not objective. Yes. Yes, totally. I love that. Yeah. I think that's a good way to kind of end us out we could talk forever, forever. with you yeah, Felipe. i know well i love the two of you so it, it, it this feels like it's like like ketchup like we should yeah. be having cocktails or something <laughs> um, and one interesting fact i will share is so if you heard a dog barking in the background that's felipe's dog squire and felipe's yes. dog and my cat boris are born on the same day mardi gras right Mm-hmm. Or Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Smart. Cinco de Mayo. Yes. I can't believe I forgot Boris's birthday. It's Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> um, so they're maybe they're in another universe. They're like twin flames or something. Um, but that's they're just both a, Tauruses. Yes. I know. <laughs> Boris is a Taurus. Um, is there anything in closing that you want to share? Definitely end with like where, you know, where they can find you if you're teaching online, all yeah, your absolutely. handles. Um, you know, I, you know, my biggest, my biggest, my mission in life is to really help people take back their life and to really help people understand that their agency, their positionality their life experience and what they learn along the way is some of the best learning and and resources that they can ever access. And to recognize that like you operating at your best self is going to foster communal well-being, right? So when you are working on keeping yourself organized, keeping yourself oriented in a way that is allowing you to 
move towards what you want in life, your natural byproduct is going to be service and gratitude. Because if you're happy and you feel complete and you feel connected, you want other people to feel that way too. And so in a lot of ways, it's like yoga, which is very much a personal practice, I hope inspires people to take collective action towards collective liberation, right? Yeah. And 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 this understanding that it's like we are here to help each other out. And that's what makes us human. And that's what makes community and that's what makes us relate to one another, which is why metaphor and stories are so important because it 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 gives you the agency to be the author of your own story. Mm. And if you don't like the story that's playing, you can take the tools and and flip the script, you know, and that's a really empowering place to be. Um, So that's really what I hope my students and hopefully this podcast inspires people to, to start to explore. Um, So as I said, I'm opening a yoga studio in Venice, California. It's called empowered yoga studio. Um, And in the meantime, virtually you can find me, my social handles for both, Instagram and Facebook and my website are Yogi Gons. Um, and in the show notes too. Absolutely. And then right now, virtually you can find me on Mary Dana's platform. I'm teaching a flow practice, um, on the weekends. And if you're in the Los Angeles area, you can find me at Equinox, Shefa Yoga and One Down Dog, and then soon to be Empowered Yoga Studio. Yay. Felipe, we love you. Thank you for letting I love you. Much. Thank you. Oh my God, can we just say that as the producer of this show, I almost just died? <laughs> I almost yes. died. Guys, we're really doing our best for you. And this interview felt, I don't know, at least to me, like a really solid hour of therapy. Oh, my God. I'm applying what he just said and legitimately, like, to my own life. Uh, It was so great and relevant and honest. And in the midst of that, it's raining and the internet is not working. And I'm trying so hard to keep the connection and to you know, accommodate via Zoom of, it's just... It's stressed it's Emmanuel It's a learning out. curve. I almost peed on my couch. I'm not going to yes. lie. Yeah. But we have the recordings. We They're have there. it. Um, I'm going to have so much fun editing it. You know, I always love mm. working on the podcast and editing what we say because I get to listen to us and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're crazy. And you get to hear it. Like, I have to, I listen to the product as it comes out. Yeah. yeah. But um, this is going to be such a lovely edit for me to make and... Honestly, we really hope that you enjoyed it. He is such a kind soul. Mm-hmm. So true and honest. So we're really lucky to to have him. And I highly recommend you check out all the links that I put in the show notes for you. And just go check him out. Yeah, and if you're in Venice Beach, California, hello. Uh, hello. What are you waiting for? Yeah. 
you got one more month before it opens because we're going to publish this at the end of February. Yeah. So by the end of March, if all goes well, they should be empowered yoga. Yeah. Be and they're and they're already on Insta because I follow. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, okay. So they're on there. I'll put that there too then. Yeah. Any closing words for us, Jared? No, this wraps up February, so yeah. we're heading into March. What is it going to be? It's a uh, surprise. I know. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thank you for being here. We love you. Bye. Bye.